and welcome. You're listening to the Genesis Podcast, the official podcast of the Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. It is our goal to inspire one another to change the world by effectively living in the way of Jesus. Check out our website, thegenesisstory.com. There, you can learn more about us, where and when we meet, ways to invest and support, but most importantly, how to get connected. Thank you for spending time with us today. Good morning. Thank you guys for braving the stormy weather here. California, cold out there, 70 degrees or something. Oh, it's terrible. Anyway, thank you guys for coming out, and thank you guys who are watching, guys and girls. Thank you people who are watching. Uh, Once again, we want to appreciate all of you who donate and allow Genesis to continue. It is our desire to be of service in a way that connects us to our creator, that helps us to develop faithfulness to God and what that looks like in all our various walks of life. And it happens because of your contribution, and we are grateful for that. So thank you guys for participating and worshiping in that way. And let's pause and let's get ready for this morning and allow our lives to be open to not only hear or receive, but to step into the things that God would have for us. Let's pray together. Father, once again, we gather together in Jesus' name to step into an awareness of who Christ is and our desire to live in his likeness. Our prayer is that we would receive from you what is necessary to walk in this way to live the life that looks like Christ, to love one another as you have loved us and to be a light and example to this world. Lord, there is so much going on around us, we can't even name it all. And I know that there are so many people going through so many difficult things. Lord, may your presence be felt wherever we are. And this morning, might it be something that draws us into your likeness. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning again. Good to be here with you guys. Hope you are doing well. Figure out what I'm doing here. A lot has been happening uh, this past week, and I'm so thankful for Brian and his talk last week. Uh, appreciated. Very good. If you haven't heard it, go back, watch, and listen. Um, but kind of keeping with the idea of a word, I, I wasn't planning on that, but a, a word came to my mind throughout the week that just seemed to be a part of what I was experiencing and wanting to lean into, and that's brokenness uh, or broken. And so this morning, I want to talk to you guys about eight quarter, one common red oak text messages. 
and Katie Dids. Do you guys know what Katie Dids are? You do, because, yeah. So, years ago when I was selling lumber, there was an old Jewish gentleman named Mr. Ginsburg. His first name was David, I believe. And he had a furniture company out in Gardena, and they made, you know, chairs and all different kinds of furniture. But he was kind of committed to this one lumber company, and he was very just rough around the edges. He's kind of rude. And so he was like the graveyard of salesmen where they'd say, oh yeah, don't worry about Ginsburg. You're never going to sell him. He's locked into these people. But for me, I just like had to try, you know? And so I would go there and sometimes he wouldn't even see me. And sometimes he just, you know, yeah, what do you have? No, get out of here. But then other times he and I would have these conversations where I would start talking to him and I would talk to him about religion. I talked to him about politics. I just talked to him about everything. And I remember one time he says, you're crazy, but I like you, you know? And, <laughs> and I did sell him lumber, not a lot, but a little bit. He kind of gave in. But I remember one conversation we had, and I think it was on politics, and I think it was on abortion, and I think he was telling me something about how when a child was uh, stillborn, that in his tradition, they wouldn't give the child a name because if you gave the child a name, it brought more connection and it brought more pain. And so for him not having that kind of recognition of a child helped alleviate the pain that someone was experiencing. And I was reminded of that conversation with him because of something I heard on a podcast about the child mortality rate in first century Rome. And it was 57%. Over half of the children born did not make it into adulthood. That is crazy. That is heartbreaking. And and what I had heard is that they believe because of this reason that many of the parents would not give the children names until they felt that they were going to be old enough to live. Kind of like, you know, uh, when a person's pregnant, a lot of times they don't say anything through the first trimester to make sure, because that is the time where it's most dangerous. Well, this is when the child is born and it's 57% that they might not make it. So they don't even give the child a name because I don't want to get attached because I have a 50 or less than 50% chance that I'm going to have and keep this child. Heartbreaking. And then think of Jesus's words in Matthew chapter 19. It says, then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray. Well, now we know why. We want them to live. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, leave the little children alone and don't try to keep them from coming to me because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. After placing his hands on them, he went on from there. 
Jesus steps into what they were shying away from and he puts it at the center of focus. The thing that you are so afraid to embrace because of the pain, I'm gonna put it on my lap and I'm going to put my hands on it. And it's almost like he's intentionally drawing near to the heartbreak. He's drawing near to the thing that might break our heart. And then we think of his words in Matthew 5, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Or in John 16, verse 33, he says, you will have suffering in this world, be courageous. I have conquered the world. See, I'd rather not suffer, thank you, I'm, I'm good with that. I'd rather not have my heart broken. I, I would rather not have to deal with the pain. And yet Jesus seems to be putting it before us and naming it and giving it credence, giving it value, giving it substance. And I started thinking about what breaks my heart? What are the things that really break my heart? And I think one thing would be seeing my children suffer. That's heartbreaking and not being able to do anything about it. You can't stop it. All I can do is enter into it, walk with them through it. But sitting on the ground with my adult child, holding them in my arms while they're in the fetal position, sobbing, is something that has marked my life. It has affected me deeply. It has broken my heart where I I don't know that it's ever been repaired. It's like PTSD, There there are times where I'll see something and it'll remind me of that. There are memories of that that they feel present with me. It's shaped me. My heart was shattered. I was helpless. And all I could do was hold them. But at the same time, Beauty can also break our heart. Have you ever maybe heard a song and it just touched you? My grandchildren, them being born, broke my heart. I was like an egg. I was just cracked and and it just came out. Poetry, a good movie, can break my heart. And move me in a whole different ways. And just like when I talked about crying a while back, how this one emotion, this one release can happen, whether it's in grief or whether it's in joy, the same thing is true with being broken. We can be broken because of tragedy and we can be broken because of beauty. And I think that's a strange thing that I find compelling. And maybe that's why the psalmist in Psalm 34 says, 
that the Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. How does God save us when we are crushed? It doesn't say God saves those before they are crushed, but he saves those who are crushed. Again, can't we just get past the crushing? Can you just save me before the crushing happens? Can you save me before the trouble happens? Can you save me before these things happen? But for some reason, it's in the brokenheartedness, it's in the crushing that the salvation comes. That it takes place in these areas where we are open to something more. I was texting a friend this week and I was sharing with them some things about someone that we knew and they had shared with me that I had meant a lot to a common friend. And I told them that, you know, it's funny that when I share the hardship that I've gone through with myself and my family, how it brings connection with others that have gone through other struggles with their family. And I feel all I'm doing is saying, hey, yeah, I've hurt too, but they told me that I did more. They said, you gave hope and spoke truth and helped them know that God is present in all things, hard to see, understand, but present that they carry that with them still. And this is how I think God saves us, is by being present with us in these times when our heart breaks and the light is able to penetrate and come in. Times of extreme hardship or beauty puts us in a place where we recognize just how dependent we are to that which is greater than us. How helpless we are. Thomas Merton said that pride makes us artificial and humility makes us real. And I love that because it's only when we have humility about who we are in this universe that we live in, that we can clearly see the reality of where we are. You know, scientists back in the 1800s thought they knew so much with the tools that they had. They had a a good handle on how nature works and with telescopes and microscopes, they were able to see more and more detail and document how much they knew about how the system works. But then with quantum theory, with string theory, with understanding that things are much more complex than we ever imagined, they realize now that nature does not work the way they thought it did. And it took humility to say, you know what? We thought this, but we see this. Now we understand less. And in this understanding of less, we are able now to see more. Because we see clearly. And I think that's the same thing with brokenness. It takes that humiliation 
realizing what we don't know to understand just how little we know so that we can open our eyes to the more that needs to be known. And I think that's the Genesis story in the garden. Oh, you can eat of this and you'll be like God. You will know good from evil. You will have what you need and the taking away of that humility brought in the false reality. And now they were blind and they were separated from life because they didn't realize how little they know, how much they needed what was more than they could produce themselves. This mentality of knowing, being certain has poisoned us. This mentality of getting it right, of winning, has poisoned us. Randy sent me a text from Michael Frost, and it says, but what if when we unearth the gospel in the West, we abandon the illusion that we are meant to win? What if the church in post-Christendom eschews any inclination to dominate or control the culture in which it finds itself? What if faithfulness becomes our, our metric rather than triumph? What if we are just faithful to God instead of we have to win? What if we are just present with God instead of we have to know everything? What if we are open wherever we are to the things that are happening around us? How would it change our understanding and our vision? A few years ago, when Karina and I went to Gabe and Annette's wedding in Hawaii, we stayed at a couple of places, and we were there for about a week, and we stayed at two places. And the reason we stayed at two places is because we got such a good price on one place that we were able to stay there for like half the price, and so we couldn't, you know, miss that, but they couldn't keep us there the whole week, so we had to in the middle of it, moved to another place. And so we were there from Wednesday to, I think it was Saturday, and the wedding was Saturday. And then Sunday to the rest of our time there, we were at another place. And so I booked the the different places. And then it was the day of the wedding on Saturday. I'm officiating the wedding. We were there having the reception. It's a great time that I realized that even though on my calendar, there's a blue line going from Wednesday to Wednesday, that Saturday night, I do not have a place to stay. (laughs) And so I have to find a room to stay. Now we're at the wedding and we're not gonna get to the place till probably like 11 o'clock at night. So I've got to find a place that's available this late. And I don't want to spend hundreds of dollars because all we're gonna do is sleep there and then we're gonna go to our other place. So if you ever want me to make plans for you, just let me know. And so I'm online and we find this place and it's kind of like a, I don't know, it's a, like a hostel, I guess, where there's a room and, and Corrine and I are going to stay at this room and it's inexpensive. The pictures look great, right? The pictures, everything looks beautiful. It's got a great scenery, but we have to get there and I'm talking to the people and it's gonna, we're going to get there till late and we're driving there and it's in the middle of nowhere on the island, Right? 
and it's dark and we're taking these turns and my GPS stops working because there's no reception. And it's like, okay, I know that it's supposed to be here. And as we're driving down, I'm hearing, I've got the window open a little bit, just kind of letting the air in. And there's this noise, this constant noise. And we're driving for like 30 minutes. And what it is, it's these insects. And I looked them up later because I was like, what is this? And they're called katydids. They're like grasshoppers, but they're just making this noise. And there must be billions of them because for a half hour, that noise was constant. They are just screaming to each other, man, the whole way. And it's just the strangest thing. It's like, are these things following us? What's going on with these things? They're like everywhere. And it's creeping us out because we're going the middle of nowhere. We get to this place. We get in the gate. We, Yeah, it's just an experience. Corrine called it Shroot Farms. If you guys know the office, I remember that. That's kind of her name for where we stayed that night. But we stayed. We made it there. But... I feel like my awareness of God has these gaps where I'll have a heartbreak and I'll be aware that God is near because I'm broken and I feel the comfort. Or I'll have this moment of joy where things are so beautiful and I'm aware that God is present because there's a different kind of breaking. But I think I want those gaps to be closed. I want... God's presence and what saves me is those awarenesses of God's presence. And I want them to be like the katydids that are just constant and ever present and cannot be ignored because they are just screaming out at us throughout all our walks of life. I want to close the gaps so that my heart breaks more, that I am allowing the presence of God to be seen in even the smallest things, because I believe it's that presence that brings that salvation to us, the awareness that God is near the brokenhearted And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. I forget who it was that said, silence is God's first language. Everything else is a poor translation. That the presence of God is so loud that words aren't necessary. That the silence is as loud as the katydids that are around us if we would just be aware. And so my hope is that the Lord would save us where we are, what we are going through. That there would be a brokenness that allows the presence of God to permeate our lives to shape us so that we have hope and we can share hope. Maybe we don't even realize it. You know, I didn't think I was sharing hope. I just felt I was sharing the presence of God 
with me through something and that was enough. But that happened in the brokenness. May we lean into that and allow the brokenness to be the doorway for God's spirit to come through and work within us. Let's pray. Father, I do not like being crushed. I do not like seeing the people I love broken. But I am so grateful that you save us there. I am so thankful that it brings us to a place of reality of how great you are and how needful we are of you. And my desire for the people I love who are in the pit now, who are in the struggle, is that in the brokenness, your presence would be known, would be felt, would be seen, would be heard. And that those of us who have gone through hardship can encourage those who are in hardship, Lord, that we would come around, put our arms and help them to see, help them to hear, help them to understand that this is where you come and meet us, that you do not shy away You do not distance the pain. You you set the child on your lap. You put us right there, even in that brokenness. I'm so grateful for that, God. I do not understand why. I don't understand how. But I am aware. What I need is not victory, but faithfulness. And in faithfulness, we find you, the victor. Lord, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. May you allow the brokenness to be the doorway for God's presence to be felt. And may the gaps between brokenness become closer and closer until we hear the steady voice of God's love. I bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. We'll continue this conversation a little bit more. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to the official podcast of Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. If you've been encouraged, found hope, been challenged by what you've heard, we'd like to ask you to help spread the word by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. You can also help support our podcast by visiting us at thegenesisstory.com. It has been our pleasure to have you join us today, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.